I think it was episode 11 last time uh, we were together that I spoke about episode 10. I think I apologized for how sort of manic I sounded in episode 10. I'm trying to remember if I talked about the belief bit. I know I talked about how um, <clears throat> I was talking fast and ex- overexcited about Game of Thrones, but I, I can't remember. And you'll quickly recognize that I don't listen to myself after I record these. Perhaps I should, or perhaps I should keep track of what I say. It might make for a slightly more fluid experience. But I, I, I've been thinking about the belief part of it. Um, or rather, one sort of idea in particular. So um, I think I talked about how it was weird to talk about what, what I believed, but I was thinking about <clears throat> a particular season of my life when I was very proud of something I believed and um, and how I don't feel that way anymore. So did I mention this? Oh, uh, well. If I did, pretend it's like part two of episode 10, even though this is episode, I think, 12. Anyway, I went through a really um, sort of staunch Calvinist phase in my life, a reformed phase more more generally, um, neo-reformed, I guess. I didn't particularly take to the complementarian stuff, the the relational theology, but I, I I loved the idea for for about a minute and a half. I I really fully bought into the notion of double predestination which is that God has foreordained everybody from before the beginning of time to either an eternity with him or an eternity uh, in hell. I think, I think, so it's occurring to me now that one fruit of that season of belief is that I now, I think, try to give people space and they go through a season they believe something stupid (laughs) because our stupid beliefs are part of will get us to our better beliefs. Anyway, I do not believe in double predestination now. And aside from what I just said, in in some part, I'm sorry I believed in it uh, for any time at all. However, um, I was younger. I was in a, I was, it was during, if you remember from my uh, belief journey episodes. It was while I was pastoring that small church in Johnson City, and so I was really kind of alone theologically. I was pastoring this church that felt very different from me, wished I was someone different, and I had my days to myself. Uh, my wife, Lori, worked outside of the home, and I was uh, my son was in school, and I was sort of um, stay-at-home dad raising, or stay-at-home fathering my daughter, who was younger. So it was just kind of me and a bunch of reformed websites. <clears throat> And I was really sort of diving in, and I don't know, it's just weird. It's weird to think of of how I viewed God then. Anyway, anyway, double predestination. Um, Don't leave home with it. (laughs) My name's Steven. This is Get Tucked, a Don't Trust This Man podcast. traveled this week for work. I was talking with one of my friends and colleagues who traveled with me, and we were talking about 
our proclivity to obsess on his part to obsess over things to find something to obsess over and on my part my proclivity to be afraid of something or as I said it to him to look for something to to, to fear so for example on my trip I, I might um, as I'm waiting to board my plane to leave to fly away from where I live I might be afraid that um, there'll be some trouble with the flight uh, like you know, airplane trouble like bad then I land <clears throat> wherever I'm going I think oh Thank God. And then I think, what if I get stranded here? What if I miss my flight home? Um, you know, and in this case, I, I was going to get, I was getting home on a Friday. So, I, you know, I would think, oh, I'm going to miss a weekend day. Then I only have one day and then I have to go back to work. And then I get home on time <clears throat> and I think, um, oh, thank God. And then, <laughs> and then I, I'm on, I'm on the Saturday. And then I think, oh, what if, you know, well, I begin to, uh, not obsess, but be afraid of Monday arriving more quickly than I want it to. There's always something to be a- afraid of. And it got me thinking about how uh, I'm, I'm oftentimes afraid of what God's going to do to me next. It's a weird thing to hear myself say. Uh, I don't actually believe that's exactly how God works, although I do believe God has agency in our lives, and I do believe God interacts with his children, and I think we're all God's children. I don't believe it's a healthy place to be to think that God is just looking for the next opportunity to do something bad to me. Um, But that's sometimes how I feel. It's important, I think, for us to say the thing sometimes, to say the thing we're afraid of, the thing that we do, the thing that we don't want to do. There's a famous passage in um, Paul's letter to the, I think it's the Romans, I think it's Romans 7, where he talks about doing the thing he doesn't want to do. And there's a whole bunch of, I'm sure, spiritual applications you could extrapolate from that passage. I'm just always impressed to read. I'm always reminded when I read that or when I think about that. That's, I feel that way. I think things about God that I don't want to think, and I wish I didn't, but I do. And that's one of them. One of the things that I struggle with is thinking that God is just waiting for the right moment to let something very, very bad happen to me. It's weird and sort of silly, isn't it? But if you're honest, you have something like that, don't you? The one shred of truth inside that fear is that I don't have control. I can't, I I can't, there are things I just can't control. And so in that space, in the space that absence of control leaves, I find myself sometimes just shoving a whole bunch of fears and wrestling with them and assuming that God will let one, it's like, it's like fear roulette. What is the thing that God will allow to happen to me today? I'm not proud of that. I don't believe that fear is based on a true picture of who God is, but the reality is I don't have control, and the reality is bad things do happen. I believe Christians do everybody themselves included a disservice to attempt to explain away the reality that in this world there is pain, and it will come to all of us. It's a fool's errand to attempt to explain it away. And it's flat out cruelty to make people believe that if they follow Jesus, they're exempt from that reality. That's just a lie. And it's hateful and hurtful.
And yet through all this, what does it mean for me to say that I believe, which I do, that God is good? What does that mean when we say he is good or she is good? I believe God is ultimately above and outside of gender. And in some ways, in God, we see all gender representations, <laughs> all expressions of genderness or ungenderedness. God is outside of it, and yet in some ways, in all of it. But anyway, what does it mean for God to be good and for us to live in a world where ungood things, bad things happen to us? I don't have a really, really satisfying answer except that I, I do believe I do believe this that in Christ we see two things one that suffering comes to all of us and two suffering is not in fact the end there is for all of us something beyond our suffering whether it is whether that is to say that in moments of suffering they will eventually end and our suffering will cease in this life your bad day will come to an end or more uh, I was going to say cosmolo cosmically, more cosmically, more existentially, more eternally, I guess I'll say. I believe there, come, there will come a day when all suffering will end forever. I do believe that. As the Bible says, every tear will be wiped from every eye. All fears will cease. Suffering will end. I firmly believe that. And perhaps that is the goodness of God. Our God is the guarantor of the end of suffering. And until then, our God is the guarantor that suffering in this life is not the sum total of our story. I don't know. I know it's a bit heavy. I guess I've been thinking just over the past couple of days, there's a, I won't get into the details and I'll be really nonspecific because I don't want to take time here and um, there's just someone who'd, who's fallen ill. Um, and it's just got me sort of thinking about those moments when those things happen and how, um, I don't know. It's not for me to say the proper response to bad things. It's not for me to say the proper response to tragedy or suffering. I don't know how you should or shouldn't respond. I'm not going to tell you how you should or shouldn't respond. I'm going, what I am telling you is that I know what it is to fear even as I believe that the perfect love of Jesus the Christ is able to drive fear from us. And I would say to you that I understand and I recognize and I have felt and experienced the fact that suffering is part of this life for all of us. And following Jesus does not exempt you from that reality. Those who follow Jesus, those who are followers of the way, suffer too. If there's anything that makes us different from folks who suffer without Jesus, I suppose that it is in some sense, frankly, just the fact that we are in that suffering with Jesus too, and he is with us. But then I might say that even for those who don't know him, he is in their suffering with them. Maybe hidden, maybe silent, I don't know. But still there nonetheless. For I believe the love of God and the love of Christ compels him to join us in our suffering and to join those who suffer in those moments, wherever they are and whoever they are. As a silent, maybe, 
mysterious, certainly, but eternal reminder that suffering is not the end. And there is a better day ahead for all of us. Oof, okay. That, um, that escalated quickly. I didn't know that's where we were going to go. <clears throat> Hope it's okay. <laughs> the sweet dreams is going to feel kind of weird now, isn't it? But we'll see. Psalm 31, verses 1 through 4 and 15 through 16. In you, O Lord, I seek refuge. Do not let me ever be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. You are indeed my rock and my fortress. For your namesake, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that is hidden for me. For you are my refuge. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. If you're in a moment in your life when there is nothing but happiness and joy, I rejoice with you and I'm so thankful that's the case. If you are in a moment in your life where there is suffering and pain, I'm so sorry. I am. I have no platitudes, aphorisms, cute sayings, no books to recommend, no steps for you to follow. I'm just sorry. I'm sorry if it hurts. I'm sorry if you're sad. I might pray that even in this moment, in a way that I can't explain or understand, you may have some sense of not being alone in it. And for all of you, if at all possible, I pray you would have peaceful rest and sweet dreams. <laughs>